Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Big Innings. We've got some exciting things and some disappointing things to discuss this week, so it's basically just another week in American cricket. But first, a couple of bits of news that trickled in since we recorded our episode. Ricky Ponting has been named as the head coach of Major League Cricket's Washington Freedom. Ponting expressed excitement and praised outgoing coach Greg Shippard. The Australian legend should also be in the States for the World Cup broadcast in June, just before the upcoming MLC season. We can't wait to see him. Domestic Major League cricketers are preparing to vote on whether or not to unionize under the United States Cricketers Association. A players union would afford collective bargaining rights to the union to negotiate on behalf of all domestic MLC players. All four of the most popular sports in the USA have very powerful players' unions that have collectively bargained to secure players roughly 50% of revenue in their respective leagues. While MLC revenue is currently nowhere near that of MLB, NHL, NBA, or NFL, it is important to consider that the richest cricket league in the world, the IPL, currently only pays players less than 10% of league revenue. That is a league that doesn't have a union. It is my personal opinion that unionization is a good thing, both for league growth and for the players in the league especially. History supports this opinion, and history has shown that billionaires in the capital class do not have a tendency to treat workers with dignity and care just for the sake of it. One of the most valuable rights workers have in the USA is the right to form a union and the right to not be punished for forming a union. All right, here comes our episode. Welcome to Big Innings, America's Cricket Podcast. I'm Nate Hayes, joined by my friend Amit Patel. Amit, no football this past weekend, and we sit and wait for the Super Bowl to happen. I don't even know what number Super Bowl it is at this point. I've lost track of the numbers of Super Bowls there are. It's in the 50s somewhere, right? 58, Nate. 58 is what I can remember, yeah. 58. My favorite Super Bowl was 25. There you go. That, that ages me. <laughs> I, think, I think the first Super Bowl I was alive for was Super Bowl, what, 38? Maybe. Yeah. Sounds I, think that's right. probably, I think that's 2003 Super Bowl. So there you go. 2008 would have been, or sorry, 38 would have been the Super Bowl. There you go. Do you have any conspiracy theories about this Super Bowl? I'm hearing all kinds of crazy things going on. The logo thing is out of there. I, I I was a big fan of the logo theory about who's going to play the Super Bowl, right? I thought that was awesome. Then the Ravens had a blow, screwed up. But no, nothing crazy. Now, the coin toss, right? Only, I think it's what, two of the last eight winners of the coin toss have won the Super Bowl. And then the team that wears white, it usually wins the Super Bowl. Huh. Interesting. I remember in the late 80s, somebody, like, this is fun. I was like nine years old. But I remember watching that Super Bowl 2024, actually. It was the one with the Denver Broncos and the 49ers. And somebody had made a point that when they promote the Super Bowl, the team that was the helmet that was on the left always won. And uh, so that that used to be a conspiracy theory back in the day. So there's always something tied to it. And, of course, now you have these people saying that this is all just a, a big ploy to get Travis Kelsey... And Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift together at halftime. They're supposedly they're going to promote Joe Biden at halftime because it's the Super Bowl. And of course, you don't have a game going on that's the most important thing. It's just funny. 
<laughs> it wouldn't it be funny if that actually came or it actually happened? I think there's some funny stuff that could happen. Taylor Swift announced yesterday at the what the Grammys he was going to release a new album, so could release right. something at the Super Bowl too. I mean, I'm I'm excited for that. But I don't know. Excited might not be the word, but I, I I'm intrigued to see what what is the storyline there. Yeah, a little bit disturbing. Killer Mike won three Grammys yesterday, and then he gets hauled off by the cops for a misdemeanor that didn't have anything to do with the Grammys. What a crappy move there. Poor guy. He's from Atlanta, so down here in the southeast of the USA. So we got to support Killer Mike there. Hopefully they get that s- squared away. But they needed the two two handcuffs on the fella because he's so big. Plenty of handcuffs going around this weekend, too, on Franklin Street. Also, they, people are climbing trees, and the police said, no, you can't climb the trees. So I saw plenty of handcuffs this out Saturday night. Oh, I saw some video of it. I sent a couple of those videos around to some friends, and I was like, look, this is the big thing in North Carolina. This is the oh man. The big sport here is college basketball. Yeah, but that was that mile run showed me how out of shape I was, Nate. I tell you what, from the Dean Dome to Franklin Street, we get you buzzer has sounds, we celebrate, and we were just off and running from the Dean Dome, trying to cut through people. Everyone's trying to just—it's a mass exodus almost, just trying to get to Franklin Street. And then you're in Franklin Street, you're getting pushed around, crowded, but it was, it was such a good time. Yeah, well, that's wild, man. I saw you shared that picture of you on the jumbotron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I actually knew my buddy was my buddy's working camera. So he's working the wireless PTZ, and I was like, "Hey, there's some great color in section 213 if you want it." And uh, he came up and just put it on the jumbo trial. So it's cool. That's awesome, man. Great. That's really cool. It was funny to see you there. Let's get into our topics for the day. First of all, USA lost to Afghanistan, the USA U19 team in the World Cup. This was their last game, actually, and we speculated last week that they would play the winner of the other game that didn't matter (laughs) but that didn't happen it was just that one game so we were a little bit hopeful that they were going to have another game but it was a close one Afghanistan chased it down with three balls to spare with three wickets in hand Pranav and Udkarsh carried the batting with Garg and a team Subramanian carrying the bowling USA took only three wickets with spin in the entire tournament that was that's a pretty underwhelming performance from the spinners there at USA, obviously, we, we could pick apart a lot of problems with the team, but there were some good performances throughout from various players. The spin department really didn't come through the, with the wickets this time. Oh, I didn't. But again, on the flip note of that, I don't think we've seen a real pace lineup of, from an under-19 perspective really come through the way this pace lineup has with two genuine, it seems, really talented individuals, one for the right, from the left, right? I think this is Romanian, who we've all talked about, and Arya Garg, who's starting to make that name for himself. To get those guys involved and see them succeed, it's really good stuff, because you think about the spin bowlers you have, or think about the bowlers you have domestically that are coming through the ranks, you can talk about a lot of the spin guys, So you can talk about the Vatsal Vagelas and the Ali Sheikhs of the world. We have a bunch of those guys you can throw around with the left, Sanjay Krishnamurthy, plenty of those left arm but you don't really talk about many of the pace bowlers that are next up. And to see those guys step up, step through, that, that has been really exciting. I, I remember seeing Arya. I think Arya Garg followed me on Instagram. And so I followed him back. This was a couple before minor league. And I saw clips of him bowling. And I was like, wow, this is really impressive. And I don't I heard his name. Obviously, I'd never seen him before at that point. But that was super impressive. And then Athene, we've talked about. And I thought that was good from the bowling perspective to see some pace bowlers come up through the ranks and really start to make an impact. Oh, absolutely. Atin was very economical throughout, and Garg, man, he was dangerous. He was very dangerous. They were both they were both excellent, especially the last couple of games, I felt like. Maybe the last three games, they were very good. 
Yeah, like you said, that was probably, to me, the brightest spot of the entire tournament for USA with that pair of seam bowlers for them. So yeah, that gives us something to look forward to in the future. We, we do have some other young players who, some other young fast bowlers in minor league in recent years who have, who have done quite well. So this just adds to that stable. We've had the to Donnie, we've had Eye on the side. Eye on the side. We had Eye on the side. Yeah, so I think we got some promising promising young fastballers. Not to mention the fellas who made the U nineteen team in the last the last sure, day yeah. class. Yeah. So these this is a nice addition to our depth of, of fastballing in the USA. So that's something to definitely look forward to. So we can look forward to watching that final this Sunday and then having a Super Bowl later in the day. That's pretty. Yeah, what's pretty better than that? Little, little cricket, little football on one day? Can't get better than that. It's perfect. And usually the Washington Capitals, my favorite hockey team, they often play on Super Bowl Sunday and they have a really good record on that day. Ovechkin usually scores a big goal. Yeah, so it's just going to be a fun-filled sports day. Speaking of hockey, Nate, I'm actually going to a Canes game tomorrow night. So Shut up. Yeah, yeah. Should be Who good. are they playing? I have no idea. Just those like ten of my buddies are like, "Hey, we'll go. You want to go to a cane?" Or one of my buddies, "Hey, it takes ten of us. I there's like a group deal. I can get tickets like thirty bucks." And I was like, "All right, let's do it. Thirty bucks." And let's see. I have no idea who we're playing. He's got like ten jerseys, so we all get a jersey. We're playing. The, they're playing the Canucks tomorrow huh? night. So cool, Vancouver. That's great, man. Have you ever been to a Canes game before? Yeah, yeah. I went to one last year. With the same guys, and then I went a couple with my dad back in the day. But oh, there you go. That's a good time. Hockey is a great sport to watch live. It's a great sport. Yeah, hundred percent. So now let's move on to the ball and play league. John Boy is doing his captains league sports right now, which is basically just house leagues. He doesn't invite any celebrities or influencers. It's just everybody who works for John Boy gets together and plays these little sports. And the first one they did was the ball and play league which obviously is, we've talked about a lot, it's the hybrid baseball cricket sport. And there have been some new cricket-style rules this year, which were really interesting to see in action with baseball-only-minded people, basically, involved this time. John Boy, Jimmy's team, won, thanks to good positioning in the field, some really excellent captaincy on his part, because he understands the rules so well. And one of the neat things that they brought into play was what they called a silly point position, which was obviously, those of us who know cricket, which is everyone listening to this, <laughs> understand that is a cricket position. So in, in the John Boy version, it's actually a little bit more Americanized, I would say. Instead of standing, there's a lot of fake fielding, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of fielders moving around when the ball's being pitched. And one of those would be the silly point fielder who approaches the batter as if he's defending the three-point line in basketball just comes right out and breaks down, and it's really funny to see. <laughs> and it's fun to watch the batters deal with somebody right in their face flailing their arms around. And, yeah, it's not really a true point position, but it is but it is it's a silly position, that's for sure. It feels a silly category for sure. I think it's cool. Almost it feels like gully cricket for those of us who've like raised in some kind of just a street cricket right it's there are no rules there's street cricket rules but you do some weird stuff the keeper's gonna go up behind the batter you're gonna hold his bat up as he goes on the downswing gets bold oh you're out sorry it, that's what it felt like and that was fun i think they do that really well like they obviously i think john boy what he does so well is he's bridging the gap between the two sports bringing those two audiences together but it does in such a fun way obviously with chris rose commentating the game it's going to be fun but the rules are fun no one takes it 
too seriously, right? They're competitive, but they're just out there to have a good time. And that shows. And again, they got the silly point position. They got into it. They're all, like you said, encroaching. Everyone's stepping forward. It was just, it was a good time. I think that's the, that's the charm of these leagues. We see a lot of mini sports leagues on YouTube. I'm sure you can find a billion of them. But I think what they do really is they find ways to have a really good time and don't take anything really too seriously. Yeah, and they, the, the, those games, they, they were intense at times. But it was great to see. One of the things I loved about it was everybody in the comments, everybody in the live chat, there's 2,000 people, sometimes 3,000 people in the live chat. There's 40,000 people watching it live happen. And the people in the live chat are talking about the strategy of the game. They're They're talking about how this batter needs to get off strike and they're using cricket terminology and they're using cricket thinking and they're understanding the strategy of cricket gameplay. And this is really fantastic. I, I know a lot of cricket fans I've showed this to don't really understand. They, they, they see it and they're like, ah, oh, this is silly or whatever. And a lot of baseball fans I've shown it to also see it as silly. But for those, for that gap of fans that wants to be interested, introduced to something kind of new, and has an open mind, this is a great thing for them because it teaches them the ebbs and flows of a cricket game. It teaches them a lot of the fun stuff we love about cricket. It includes almost all of it. We love the pressure of the of that last inning, of that last innings, the chase. We love the pressure of the chase. And we see that with the John Boy ball and play. It's a two-innings league, which is really cool. Each team bats twice. Of course, it's much abbreviated. But... The there's a lot of the tensions and strategies of cricket that are reproduced through rules that are a little bit different, but that are designed to reproduce the same kind of tensions of cricket. And that's what I think this thing does so well. You see these people in the comments following along with the game, understanding how the game goes, saying, that, oh, they should have run there, or they shouldn't have run there. And all of the things that they're saying are cricket sense. That's going to translate to cricket. So if they decide to watch a Major League Cricket match, they'll know what's going on in the game. They'll understand how the game works. And I just think he's doing such a good job right now. No, it's been awesome to see the rise of cricket. From the very first like cricket post that he had with the T20 World Cup um, in 2020, he's almost embraced it. And like you said, he's created this kind of universe where people are having discourse about this game in a cricket way without realizing that they're talking about cricket. If that it's not like they're sitting there thinking, oh, what's the cricket term and all like the cricket term for this? It's oh, this is the term that they're using. This is the term I'm going to use. And then now, like you said, if they were to see a World Cup match or see um, a major league match, they'd say, oh, I know that term. Oh, they should take a run here. Oh, they shouldn't take a run here. I think he wisely chose what parts of the game needed to be where right he obviously the baseball thing is a little bit more easy to understand in terms of the swing and the bat and the shape of the bat it's not wonky different bowling pitch pitching it probably makes a little bit more sense there but the running makes so much sense right the ability to go and get six runs and four runs the scoring i think the way he did it he was so smart in how he was he prepared the game and intentionally or unintentionally he's gotten fans so much more use to cricket cricketing terms and therefore, like if they were, like you said, to turn on a major league match, a World Cup match in the summer, they're going to say, hey, six balls left, the number 11 sitting at the strikers, and he needs to get a single. Doesn't matter what, he needs a single or end of the second, end of the penultimate over, this guy has to get a single to get off strike, whatever it is. It's just, I think they, they aren't going to understand those kinds of things, which is super cool. And again, he's just, he's so good 
for the game in the USA. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely some of the, the conflicts of the game were, were exactly that. It would be going into the last over, you want your best batter on strike. And so it's take a single or find a way to get on strike if, if, you, if you're that great um, batter at the end of the at the end of the game. I think also one of the cool things was actually Chris Rose wasn't involved in this version. He will be involved in the upcoming ball and play league. But instead of Chris Rose, they actually had the players sit in and commentate the games when they weren't playing the games. And so we got to hear the perspective of people who understand the uniqueness of this particular game and understand the strategy. And we got to see a lot of debate about what types of strategies players wanted to take, the teams wanted to take. And there was a lot of familiar discussions that we hear in cricket as well. Like one team didn't mind taking dot balls because they were going for boundaries. So they didn't mind standing up there and trying to get wides basically by looking at dot balls, looking at the more difficult balls and then going at it when they see something in their wheelhouse. And then you had the top batter in the entire league saw 50 balls in, in, throughout the tournament and he only had eight dot balls out of those 50 balls. <laughs> That's fantastic. He was rotating strike and he was getting off strike and he was scoring a lot of four boundaries. But it was his ability to get those singles when he needed to at the end of an over that kept him on strike. And just not seeing the dot balls really put a lot of pressure on the other team. So it was great to see that discussion happen. They're talking about dot balls. They're talking about who you want to have on strike and when to run and when not to run. It's just great. And I just did a pod the other day with the Blitzball boys about this ball and play league this particular season. They're very funny guys. They're a lot of fun to chat with. It was a Saturday morning. The second season of the official second season of the ball and play league is coming up this spring and I'll be umpiring and I cannot wait to do that. We're supposed to have major league cricketers involved in that as well once again. And they're going to have eight teams this time instead of just six. So it's going to be an expanded version. And it's going to be with these newer rules. The back wall is now a scoring area, just like the front wall is. So nice. it's it's pretty cool. And then so Man, if someone's able to connect a reverse uh, on the baseball, on the wiffle ball bat, that would I would pay to see that. That would be uh, unbelievable. I'm hoping to see that because what I imagine is, okay, so you remember Jaren Kumar, the USA coach for a while. I watched him. So many times warming players up on one knee with a baseball. Yeah, bat. yeah. And yeah, that's they all do it. They all have those little small band. They just let it edge over, and that's probably the way to do it. But I and that work. But geez, Louise, could you imagine someone physically steps over and tries to play an actual ramp shot? I think we'll see it. I think we will see it. Now the difficult thing is that the kind of the best pitch or ball to throw in the ball and play league is the high inside slow curve ball. Yeah. which is probably the hardest ball to ramp if you think yeah. about the angle the ball's coming, angle in. coming in. Yeah, you might want to reverse sweep that ball. So I, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how the the bat, the batters t- take this. But a high straight ball right over the strike zone, I'm thinking edge that one right back over the, the keeper's head, basically, for four. And I think we're going to see some of that when the cricketers get involved. Nobody really targeted it from the baseball guys, but it was it would just be happy luck if they got a, a back boundary. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's I could talk about that all day. I know it's a real niche topic there, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll move on to our next topic, and this is a somber topic. Emily Reynolds from Major League Cricket's marketing department. She no longer works for Major League Cricket. 
I'm going to read you her statement on Instagram. It is with great sadness that I share the news that I no longer work at Major League Cricket as a full-time employee. The league is working on restructuring and my position was no longer needed year-round. That being said, I still hope to be a part of their story moving forward and will continue to spread the good word. Working at MLC has been an incredible journey and it's been an absolute honor to work alongside everyone that has been involved since the beginning. The people behind what on screen are the most passionate, courageous, selfless, and savvy humans you will ever meet. I've learned and grown so much in the 2.5 years from their immense skills, patience, and encouragement. MLC fam for life. With that said, I'm on the job hunt again. Hopefully, I'm able to land something cricket-related. Heck, I might even turn into an influencer. We'll just have to see how it all goes. If anyone has a lead on any full-time positions you think I might be interested in, please shoot it over. So this is really sad news for those of us who know Emily and have worked with Emily uh, as closely as you and I have. Yeah, it is. Emily and Tom were the ones who actually first hired me for to work at minor league cricket and major league cricket. So they always, and they've always looked out for me. And so it was very sad to see that post. And we know Emily's going to fall on her feet. She's so talented. She's going to find something and kill it no matter where she goes. She's an incredible person. But yeah, it's it sucks to see someone so talented, so good for the league, so good for the game, be no longer be full-time with it. It sounds like she's going to have some involvement during season. It is uh, a somber, somber tone. Yeah, it stinks. She really did the work of multiple people for Major League Cricket. Anybody who knows anybody at Major League Cricket, like she said, there's some phenomenal people there. She mentioned that. She said, passionate, courageous, selfless, and savvy human. She's completely accurate there. We know and respect everybody who's at, at Major League Cricket, and there's some people especially and one of those people yeah. especially was Emily. And so many times I talked to people who would see her work and, and they'd say, wow, she's doing the work of multiple people. And she really was. I remember when cricket districts were here, were, were here in the U.S., yeah. down in Texas, they were really impressed with the amount of work that she was able to get done and how hard she worked. And, of course, we've been impressed with her, too. To me, it's not a good sign. It's, it's not a very good sign at all when Major League Cricket can't find a reason to keep someone like her on full-time. You know, where is this decision coming from? This must be coming from, this must be a board decision because the people that I know in Major League Cricket, they certainly value her and they value hard work and they value the fact that she did so many things for them. You can't work for Major League Cricket and just do one job. You you know that. Everybody there does three three or four things, and she was one of those people. So I, I don't know where this decision is coming from. If it's, a, it's obviously clearly a budget decision, but you can't – how can you not budget? How can you not prioritize marketing in a upstart league like this? How, how can you – I don't see – how this can happen. It makes no sense to me. And where's the money at? They're supposed to have money to be able to afford this. The articles that came out, higher-ups in Major League Cricket were quoted, and ownership in Major League Cricket was, some of the team owners were quoted in these articles following this inaugural season. There was a lot made about how Major League Cricket was a major success, how it's years ahead of time as far as their, the, their hope for evolution. It's been pushed out there that it's ahead of schedule. And how can it be ahead of schedule when this is happening? Yeah, it's incredibly worrisome, the fact that it doesn't feel like the budget's there. Because 
you value good people. And I think everyone there is a small company. There's, like you said, everyone there is doing three or four things. Just because you're doing your role says one thing doesn't mean that's the only thing you're going to be doing. Like someone like Saga, you know, who we're talking about, he's the lawyer and he was over there shooting the t-shirt cannon around during major league game. And you're always basically doing something. So I hope this isn't a trend. First off, it's not, I hope it's not like this is just the first of many because the people there are committed, all looking and aiming towards one mission, one goal. It was really cool to see that. And yeah, it is concerning that someone like Emily, who uh, was running socials for a period of time, for a long period of time, is now gone. And she had such a good vision for every year. She didn't want everything to feel the same, but she knew that had to be consistent. And she just tried to keep keep evolving with every new season. Because I, I remember having those conversations from year one to year two to year three of minor league and what major league was and things like that. So yeah, again, the numbers don't add up. They say it's a success. And I think success can be measured in different ways. Obviously, I don't think anybody expected major league to be completely in the green after the inaugural season. I don't think I'd, I'd be hard pressed to imagine it's completely in the green, but for it to be called a success, I think the way we think about sports leagues, the way we've seen sports leagues, it's, hey, it's a success because you're able to basically do what you did, reproduce that the next year with pretty similar people involved, similar budgets, maybe more of a budget. And so I'm, I'm just curious to see what those numbers are. Again, I don't think anybody majorly, the people that we know wanted to make this decision. I don't think it's something that needed to happen. I think, again, it's just, I guess, how the cookie crumbled at the end of the day. It's an unfortunate circumstance. Like I said, unfortunate for Emily, unfortunate for Major League, because they're going to miss what she bring to the table for sure. And again, Emily's going to fall on her feet. She's going to be just fine. We know she's resilient, talented, and someone's going to scoop her up or she's going to find her own thing. Or You know what? She just might go internet famous because that would be her and her dog just might go internet famous. And that might just be content <laughs> for Emily from now on. So I, I'd, I'd subscribe to that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Emily does. But yeah, there's a little bit of cause for concern about this for sure. A lot of good people get get left in the dust by some strange decisions. And we see that with the ICC. There's always a lot of good people that work in the ICC. And they're always working against something that seems to be some big thing that seems to be bureaucratic and slowly moving and questionable priorities. But we know there's great people in the ICC. We know there's great people in MLC. We know there are. We saw what they can do. There's some fantastic people in MLC. And then a decision like this gets made. I, I feel like this is not a decision that any of the people I know in Major League Cricket would have wanted to make. I can't imagine that. So this is very disappointing to me. But yeah, let's move on to the next one. I'm, like you said, I'm sure Emily will land on her feet and we'll be communicating with her and working with her, I'm sure, in the future. I look forward to that. But it's not a big world. Cricket world isn't that big. <laughs> Uh, the small world. Uh, again, Emily will be fine, and I'm excited to see what, what is next for her because, again, incredibly talented. So let's move next to Dane Pete. He was left out of the South Africa test team against New Zealand in their first test. We saw the wicket. They shared a picture of the wicket, and I'd see how he was left off of that team. That was a green wicket. Man, I don't know how you could just consider playing a spinner on that wicket. Holy smokes, I don't know if I've seen a wicket that green. Yeah, it looked green. It also it looked green, but it also looked moist to me. Like it, it was definitely a very green wicket. But we have the lefty batter Rachin Ravindra scores 240 runs in that first test in the first innings, 
He's a lefty with a big score. So does this bring Dane into the team for test two? You got to think with Dane's ability to bowl to those left-handed batters. Of course, we still have to consider the wicket. Roger Narvinder's pure class. He was the emerging uh, batter of the year for the ICC, and rightfully, the kid's just unbelievable. But it'd be great to see Dane in there, to see, especially if you're right in your hunch that the wicket is a little bit moist and say the you know, next test there is some green, but it is going to be damp for a little bit. Maybe if you win the toss, you can bowl first and use it and get that little stick in there. Dane also does bolt those drifters and can get the ball to move in the air, so could take advantage of that too. I'd be excited. I'd hope he comes in just to... I'm hoping that the wicket's going to be a little less green, just some patches of green maybe, or at least some cracks in the green would be nice. But again, I think the wicket's really... It's going to depend on the wicket. I don't know if just Rutschen Ravindra having 200 is going to change how they select the team just because... It is that green, right? You can both go put Dane out there. Yeah, he can do a lot with the ball, but you can't control how the pitch is going to do it. We all can assume that he bowling on that wicket, unless there is some stick, unless there's some moisture in it, it's probably just going to come on pretty nicely. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. It was disappointing, man. It was definitely disappointing. Yeah, I know. We were texting about it. We, <laughs> I, It was like, I was in line for the UNC Duke game because we had to start lining up at 3.30 for this, a 6.30 tip. It was 3.30, you had to start lining up. And I was like, all right, five o'clock, I have an hour and a half. I can watch the test match on my phone and then go to this. I was like, hopefully South Africa bowling first. This would be great. And then you text me, Dane's not on the team. I go to Crick Info and it's Dane Patterson. And I was like, hopefully that's a typo. And I Google Dane, Dane Patterson and it's the quick. And I'm like, God, good for him. But gosh darn it, it's not Dane Pete. So I would have been really cool. But yeah, it, it was just a bummer to see him not in there. I saw it on the graphic on a on the infographic on, on Twitter. And I did the same thing. I thought, man, maybe they got the wrong Dane. Maybe they made it. <laughs> yeah. I was so disappointed to see that his name not listed there. And I'm sure he's taking it in stride, but yeah, watching Ravindra just pummel it on. And then that third session, the other day, they were scoring at like a freaking 150 rate or something, just piling the runs on South Africa when the conditions were perfect for it. And when they're, they've got their middle order out there. Ah, it was a rough one. So hopefully we'll see Dane in the team for the next game. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, again, be great to see him in the team, see him in the side. Team South Africa can do anything with this. And we also have the announcement of the World Cup opening game ticket prices online. And Peter shared this a couple of days ago. The cheapest seated ticket is $80, and the cheapest standing room-only ticket is $40. This is for USA versus Canada in the opening game of the World Cup in Dallas, or in actually Grand Prairie, this coming June. That is, I don't know about this, Amon. This is a big risk here. This is a roll of the dice that you're expecting people to come out to basically see domestic American and Canadian players play in this first game. And it, it, it's a historic game for sure. Right? And you're banking on the fact that you have enough cricket fans who are passionate about cricket in general who are going to go to this game. And I think maybe because all of the India games are in New York, I think if you had an India game in Dallas, yeah. you'd be in trouble here. You'd be in real, you're just not going to have, no one's coming to this game. They're going to wait to go to the India game, right? But I think that might be the only saving grace is that there's really no India game scheduled for Dallas. Yeah, 80 bucks is a lot. Yeah, it, it, there's no quite way around that. 80 bucks is a lot of money to go, especially into 
like you said, domestic. It's going to be domestic players that you're watching, right? There's not the pull of India. It's not the pull of South Africa and Australia, whoever. It's USA Canada. And for you know me and you, that's the dream. World Cup USA Canada game, that's the dream. Let's see an Audi Cup every year. Let's see it in the World Cup. That's awesome. But you know, that's not the dream for a lot of individuals. 40 for the standing room. I think it's a day-night game, so it's a little bit more manageable, the, manageable, the heat. But man, oh man, $80, $80 to get a seated ticket. Especially when you're talking about major league tickets for what, $15 and $25? That's what you're looking at on any given day. And if that's what you're charging there, and it works, you're getting people to come out. And this is the big franchise. This is the pull of the, the Super Kings and MI New York and LA Knight Riders and Washington Freedom, who have ties in Australia. And so do San Francisco Unicorns and Seattle Orcas. Like you have these, you know, franchises who have bases elsewhere. Now you're trying to get. It just feels a little bit like it's not going to work. And I would hate to see the opening of the World Cup, USA versus Canada, in Grand Prairie, that rivalry coming back, and there's a 1,000 people in the stadium that seats 8,000. That would would be awful. It would be awful. It would be terrible. And these boys, these guys deserve better than this. They deserve a a full stadium. And whoever, whatever our team is that, that goes down there, and, and you know what we need to do? We need to get a Canadian on our pod. We need to get maybe Saad. Saad has been on a lot of podcasts lately. So, yeah, I saw a clip uh, earlier today. He was with the thir- a third slipper. I think that was the group that was interviewing him. So maybe we should have those guys. But we, yeah, 100%. I want to I want to get a Canadian on here too. Let's see what they're feeling about this thing. Yeah, so I, I might reach out to Saad. I'm sure he'll join us. It'll be great to talk to him. We got to get, we have a better idea of who's going to be in the Canada team. <laughs> Than who's going to be in the USA team right now? I think, um, so it might be safer to pick a Canadian to join us on our show than pick an <laughs> American at this point. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to do that. We'll see if he wants to do it. I'm sure he will. He's on a lot. I'm going to take it personally if he doesn't. He's been on like two podcasts this last week, so he may he might not like what we've said about him minor league cricket at some point. He might have said something. He just it, it's going to be about the freaking hex code for the Baltimore Royals. He's going to take that personally. Do <laughs> you think so? You're going to take the gosh darn hex code, the, what do you call it, vanilla pudding, banana pudding, whatever it was? Vanilla pudding. He's going to take that personally. Yeah, he's going to take that personally. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe we can bring some pudding onto the onto the show. So have him be a good pudding gag. Pudding to him, yeah. That'd be a great gag. Yeah, so, well, well, we'll see what we can do with that. We'll try to get some new guests on shortly, very shortly here, especially players related to that upcoming World Cup. And I think, you know, if you guys, if, if anybody listening has some ideas about who we should get on the show, we're listening. I really want to promote this World Cup. I want to get some of the players on. And, like, a big problem for me has been who's going to be in the USA team? We don't know. Yeah, it's and that hard brings, to say anything, yeah. Exactly. And that brings us to our last topic where we're about to do an in-depth conversation about USA's preparation for this World Cup and all of the preparation news we have about USA's preparation tours for the upcoming 2024 T20 World Cup. All right, Amin, what, what do we got? That is the end of our episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us because we did that that we wrapped up all the information we needed to. So good work there, Nate. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, obviously there's nothing to talk about. So <laughs> as far as that topic is concerned. And by the time you guys hear this podcast, the voting will be closed for the USA Constitutional Amendments. I think it closes at midnight on as soon as the clock strikes midnight on February 6th, I think is when it closes. 
Well, by the time this publishes, it'll be too late to vote. So hopefully you've already voted and voiced your opinion with your vote uh, if you are a member of USA Cricket. If you're not a member of USA Cricket, I highly encourage you to become a member of USA Cricket. It's only $10. You can do without that. So anyhow, Amin, any final thoughts? Just thinking about what the USA are doing to prepare for this World Cup. So <laughs> oh, I, I just have a blank mind right now. But no, Nate, it was great uh, to talk to you, get back on here. Felt weird without no football this weekend, but it was good to get back on here. And hopefully there's some USA Cricket News to talk about next week.